Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Briar Moss can curse in five different languages. We mostly curse in English, so if you're listening around English speakers, you may want to make sure they're okay with curses. Thank you for joining the Circle of Friendship. I'm Anna. And I'm MJ. And today we're going to be talking about Dodge's book. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Am I the right podcast? <laughs> no. What podcast are you from? I'm from the Reading Circle Temple. We're Circle of Friendship. Wait, are we in the right podcast? What's Anna, going on here? And I don't think we're in the right place. <laughs> well, hello. Hi. <laughs> the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Brittany. Indy, you're muted. You're muted. <laughs> Motherfucker, I'm Indy. And I'm Goodwin. <laughs> and we are joined today by the Circle of Friendship. Yay! 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 Let the circle is open if even wider than before. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Goodwin, I stole your line. We met a few weeks ago with Anna to record our recap of Daja's book. Only uh, I messed up and lost all of our audio. So we are meeting again to re-record so that you all can hear this lovely audio. And fortunately, this time we are able to be joined not only by Anna, but also by MJ. So now we have 100% of the circle of friendship. Anna and MJ, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourselves and your podcast. Yeah, we'd love to. Anna, why don't you take the lead since you've been here before? All right. So I'm Anna. I am one of the hosts of Circle of Friendship podcast, where we also go chapter by chapter and review Tamara Pierce's Emelon books. We are going bi-weekly, so we're a little bit behind you right now. I started reading Tamara Pierce when I was like 10 or 11. My best friend at the time was like, you need to read this series. It's called Alana. It's about a girl who becomes a knight. And I went to the library and they didn't have the first one. So I started with the second one and went from there. And then, God, I was going to say a few years ago, but really more like nine or 10 years ago, <laughs> I met MJ. Oh my God, has it been that long? It has been that long since I moved to New York. I was like, oh, nine or 10 years. I wonder what she's talking about. It can't be me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I met MJ and MJ was like, hey, you have red hair. You remind me of this character named Alana. And I was like, no way. 
that's one of my favorite characters and probably subconsciously the reason I dyed my hair red. <laughs> and uh, we started talking and we bonded. And at some point we decided that we should do a podcast about this series and MJ being the brains behind everything. And the reason that we actually got it started was like, all right, we're recording it now. We're doing it this way. And here we are a year and a half later. It's a very concise version of our history. I'm MJ. I am a member of the Certain Point of View Network along with Anna now. We both host Circle of Friendship together, but I also host Reignite, the Rob Thomas, no, not that one, Robcast, and a limited run podcast called Circle and a limited run podcast called Certain Point of Yule. Sometimes I just can't get the words out. Case also called it Circle of Yule in our last um, recap, and I had to edit it when I was recording. So you're not the only one. That's our mashup podcast where we reimagine Circle of Magic as a Christmas rom-com all about Lark and Rose Lord. You know this is happening now. Yes. Please. You've all witnessed genius. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now, how did you find Tara Pierce and Circle Magic? So my version of this story is actually kind of funny. The very first Tara Pierce book I read was Cold Fire. Oh, that's right. Anna told us that. <laughs> so I read the third book of the second quartet first. I then switched universes entirely and read Trickster's Choice and Trickster's Queen. And I think after that, I read Becca. And then I went back to the beginning and read all the books from the beginning. <laughs> so I did things very out of order. What inspired you guys to start a podcast about Emelon? So for me, I had been listening a lot to Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Thanks. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> that is literally uh, how we started. <laughs> yeah, I think that inspired a lot of people. I had been listening to a lot of it, and there are certain types of media that are very influential for me. Circle of Magic, Mass Effect, and I wanted an outlet to be able to talk about them in a very critical way. And the beauty of Circle of Magic is that Anna and I have been friends for almost a decade now, and one of the reasons is because of our love for Tamara Pierce, her skill, the way that she treats her fans, the worlds that she builds. And we didn't want to start with Tortal because a lot of people do. And we felt more attachment to Emelon. So that's why we decided to start there. I just came along for the ride. MJ was like, hey, we've talked about, we talked initially about doing like a full cast recording or something of our yeah. own, of the audio. But then books, copyrights. But copyrights. And it was just very complicated and confusing. And eventually it evolved into MJ was already doing podcasts about Mass Effect. And so it was, why don't we do a podcast about Circle of Magic? And I had no experience whatsoever. So I was like, I'll go where you tell me. <laughs> and now I'm starting another one because it is an You're addiction. You're a professional now. You're part of a network. It's true. Do you two have any favorite characters from the Circle of Magic? That's so hard to say. <laughs> because I draw something from each character. Like it's easy to say Triss because she is the most temperamental and I can relate to that. But also Sandry. Because she is the most uppity and ready to defend her friends. And I get that. Like, I am also five foot three of Fight Me. 
So I understand. But I don't know. They're all so very dear to me. I don't think I can pick one. I have to say that I've always, always had a soft spot for Briar, like hardcore. We I know we know this. We've established this. I like fell in love with him when I was eleven, and have just been ruined since then. Um, which is why it's weird reading the books when he's a kid now as an adult and being like, "Oh, you're a child." Hello, small child. And now <laughs> I identify a lot more with Rose Thorn because I realized that I am the same age as her now. When we started reading this series again, I was like, oh, she's about 30-ish and red-haired and doesn't like children in her garden. Yeah, I, I feel that. Somehow we became Lark and Rose Thorn. Yes, in in terms of the podcast and just our friendship, and it's beautiful. Also, you, you do fiber art stuff, so it makes sense. And I badly take care of plants, so Rose Thorn would actually be very, very offended by me, but that's okay. Yes. I do like feeding birds, though. <laughs> Hey, I'm working on a sweater. Definitely also Lark and Rose Thorn. Yes. I do identify a lot with Tris and Sandry for the same reasons that MJ said. With Tris, I have like similar experiences with extended family. And so Mm -hmm. I really like feel that and the way it makes her react. And with Sandry, I also just want to fight everyone who comes at my friends. But for whatever reason, Briar has always, he's not like the bad boy trope where he's like a jerk. He's tough, but also deep down, he's, he's actually really genuine tough. rogue with a genuine heart of gold. Exactly. And it's so rare to find that as opposed to someone who's. That is my favorite. A jerk. And then like, you're supposed to see their soft side underneath their terrible behavior. I think that for whatever reason, that's just stuck with me for years. It's so. why we love George Cooper. It's true. Bad decisions notwithstanding. Yes. <laughs> I love the idea that you two are Lark and Rosethorn because we have obviously kind of purposely mapped ourselves onto the four kids. I am Sandry because I spun us all together into this podcast and I do lots of sewing. Indy is Briar because knives and plants <laughs> and she is a rather aggressive young person. I have like eight plants at any given moment sitting <laughs> around my desk. I love it. Brittany is our Tris. Uh, she likes to read and she comes complete with her own little shriek, who she you does. guys have met briefly. <laughs> and Goodwin is our Daja because, in his own words, he is our expert on guns and all boomy, all things boomy. Yes. Fire. Fire good. Fire good. <laughs> so now we literally have all of Discipline Cottage. We do. Which is very cool. So, and if we pull my husband in, then we have Skyfire. It's true. He looks exactly like the description of Skyfire. Like, exactly. We were going through the chapter and I went, MJ, they're describing John. Yeah, I remember listening to that one. The actual description, the Frank part of the description, matched John. But then there was like, he's not that handsome. I was like, excuse you. <laughs> say that. There was an allusion to him not being that good looking. Didn't one of you get very offended on behalf of Water Temple in one of your episodes as well? That was me. <laughs> <laughs> I was always getting got offended. very offended on behalf of Water Temple. <laughs> because uh, I'm a Pisces. And I just like I feel a lot of things. And I was like, listen, Rose Thorne, you can't you can't knock the intuition like that, especially when they're right. I am very overworked. So when I see them complaining about Water Temple, I'm like, you don't know how much they have to do. Maybe they're <laughs> totally overworked and you're asking them to do like four people's jobs. 
Because maybe there is literally just an earthquake. (laughs) Maybe you need bandages. I'm just saying they were not wrong about that. (laughs) Do you guys have any least favorite characters? In this series in particular, I'd have to say Yarun and Amory for pretty much the same reasons that they are very self-centered and they're jerks and they put people in harm's way because of their own selfish reasons. And I also really don't like Lady Anulia that much. Those are the exact three I was going to say. (laughs) Because my actual least favorite character we can't talk about yet. We can't talk about. I know who it is because it's mine too. (laughs) Uh, Can I I ask which book Hmm. it's from? Cold Fire. Cold Fire. (laughs) Yep. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. There's a couple options there, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the it's the the option in Cold Fire. Yeah. I have a lot of feelings. There is an artistry to making a good villain, and Tamara Pierce is very well versed in doing so. She does an amazing job creating characters that are not just evil for the sake of being evil. They have motivations that are realistic and Amory's motivations Yarun's motivations even Lady Anulia's are based off of real life experiences that people have had and there are people like this out in the world and it's their realism that makes me just not like them as people <laughs> like you are all terrible people and I would sell you for a corn chip Brittany and Goodwin have a least favorite character who might surprise you. (laughs) (laughs) Brittany, would you like to explain? Kirill is no good. Don't like him. He's a whiny little bitch who is just there to take up space. And I was so glad that he was not in Dodge's book. It was nice. I was sad that Gorse was not there, but it was super nice that Kirill was oh, not there. Oh, Gorse. So whenever Gorse. we have guests on the show, because Brittany and Goodwin are, I believe, the only people in the Tamara Pierce fandom I have ever met who actively dislike Kirill. Um, no, 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 no. Wait. Hate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not dislike. That's too weak of a word. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that means that whenever we have guests on the show, I have to ask them, what is your opinion of Kira? <laughs> I certainly don't hate him. I've always thought he was just like a sweet little Viking himbo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he doesn't react great to finding out that Daja is a mage like Frostpine. But given the fact that he doesn't have any magic of his own and he probably doesn't interact with it from anyone else but Frostpine, I understand it shaking him. And when he comes back, he comes back sheepishly. He knows that he was being immature. And every interaction with Karel from then on, he treats Daja like an equal. So I have no problem with him. I think he's fine. See, I personally don't think he was being immature even because Frostpine has been looking for an apprentice for 20 years, which indicates yeah. that he is like the only person in the world who has his type of magic. So he is like the only person in the world who can do this. Daja is a 10-year-old who no one thinks has magic except for Nico. <laughs> so yeah. and like Daja doesn't even know she has magic yet. So there's no reason for Kirel to expect it. Yeah, and so, he's also pretty young too. So 
him not reacting like a mature adult makes sense as well. <laughs> but Frostpine told him, you're going to see some weird shit if you work with me. And he sees it every day with working with Frostpine that he's able to like catch stuff. And he's like, oh, no problem. But a little girl comes in and he's like, oh, no, a little girl can't do this, but a big man can. No, Kirill, shut up. And I don't think it has back, anything like, to do with Can I play that, too? Like, no one is talking to you, Kirill. Get the fuck out of here. No one's talking to you. Go away. Okay. See, you're this very annoying. This is why I say Brittany should definitely not have a second child. Because if she does, I just, I think that her first child, it will really break her heart if one day she's working with that other child and she's teaching her colors. And then little Shriek comes in and says, oh, I want to learn colors. And she says, uh, you already know your colors. Get the fuck away, you little bitch. No one was talking to you. I very much hope that you only ever have one child. <laughs> no, I won't Don't call her that. names. I'll just be like, hey, shh, be quiet. Give this kid a chance. You can't just be blurting them all out. You can't give them the They're answer. You've got to think for himself. <laughs> Kirill is not my child, so I can call him. <laughs> Fine. But, but the evidence here is that this is how you react to sibling relationships. <laughs> anyway. It's fine. It's fine. I have five siblings. Yes, I call them all bad names. It's fine. <laughs> so now you have been introduced to our Corel drama. I, just, I love I it. I don't understand it. <laughs> I never knew Corel could be the most polarizing character. <laughs> I know, let, let, right? Let, let, let me let me let me let me, put it, let, let me put it. Let me put it. Plain white toast. There we go. Corel bad. <laughs> Goodwin made his position known when we interviewed Tortalan Knights and we asked them, what do you think of Kirell? And they said, when you sent us this question, we asked each other if Kirell had done some really terrible thing we had forgotten about, like punching a baby. <laughs> and uh, Goodwin made his position known by creating this poster that says, Kirell equals bad. <laughs> a bad character, a bad person, just really the worst. Worse than Amory, I think, in my opinion. No. <laughs> absolutely not. I will let you have your <laughs> weird feelings about Corel, but no. Corel is literally worse than punching a child. <laughs> yeah, because Amory did punch a child. Yeah. He did. punch a child. And the greatest crime Carell has admitted is wanting to be noticed by his teacher, who also comes off as a bit of a father figure. Yeah. Shame yeah. on him. Shame on him for wanting to be appreciated. How do you want that? My favorite scene with Carell so far has been when he has to carry Rose Thorne, and Rose Thorne is just harassing him nonstop. It's great. <laughs> like, yes. Get him, Rose Thorne. But that's him at his, like, most himboist. <laughs> the only yeah. thing he's good for is to be a pack mule. <laughs> the only thing he's good for. Like, hey, you, you look strong. Carry these things. He's just doing his best. <laughs> I, think, I think he's adorable and sweet and quite a kind big brother to Daja. He's a jealous little bitch, and he should just go away. <laughs> Well, I hope you never have more children. 
talk Dasha's book. <laughs> yes, let's do that. We recently finished reading through Dasha's book for our podcast. And as you two know, Indy and I have read it before Brittany and Goodwin. This was their first time experiencing the book. And you two are currently in the middle of Dodge's book for your podcast. Mm-hmm. But we've both uh, read it before. Three chapters left. Yeah. We're down to, we're down to the final three. Yeah, yeah I am. Oh, you're, you're where it gets good. Yeah. I was trying to remember what could follow three chapters. And I was like, I, I think like we, description. <laughs> we start the thing. We end the thing. There's aftermath for the thing. Yeah. Seems right. Yeah. Very accurate. My first question for y'all regarding Dodge's book as a whole is what was your biggest takeaway? Forest fire's bad. Clear clear the floor of the forest floor of brush. Forest fire bad. Controlled your controlled burns are important. Control mast bad. Mast so bad. Good. Good forestry. Literally every time I've been watching like a forest fire on the west coast, I'm like, Rose Thorne told us we should have listened. Don't fuck with Mother Nature. She fucks you back. Yup. So now that we've thoroughly interrupted you, Anna, would you like to elaborate oh, on that? That literally is my takeaway overall, is that you should listen to the experts and that I learned a lot about good forestry and fire prevention from these books yes. as a young child. And also, you know, there's a lot that we talk about being respectful of cultural differences, but also not accepting the toxic behavior in your community. Yeah, that was really my big takeaway in the long run. There's a part towards the end. I think it's in chapter 10 or 11. Daja and Polyam are talking and one of them says something like, maybe we both learned something. We just talked about this. On chapter 10. Daja and Polyam are having a moment Polyam says, I used to think that they were right and I was wrong. And Daja freezes because she was just thinking that herself. Polyam then says to her, and now you're thinking maybe you're more right and they're more wrong. And I have a lot of feelings about the allegory for queerness in this book and about being cast out of your community because of your identity. Okay, minor spoiler alerts that I'm pretty sure that Brittany and Goodwin are already aware of about Daja's sexuality that comes out later. Yep. Yeah. So <clears throat> she she is very different from the other kids, pure alone because of her sexuality. So I don't think it was a mistake to be real way. If I may go off of that thought. Please do. It could be because I know what I know and it could be a meta knowledge that's driving this parallel for me. But I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I think it is a valid parallel to draw when you are also a person who has potential to be ostracized from your community because of your identity. I was raised Roman Catholic. I am not religious by any means. And that's a large portion because of I see how devout Catholics treat people who are queer and I am queer. So I said, no, thank you. And I left. And I said, thank you, sir. Goodbye. And I think it's good for me personally that I decided to never get invested in that culture because I never had the opportunity to have my heart broken the way that Daja did. So I think it's a valid parallel. Yeah. And the way I look at it is it doesn't have to just be 
a singular parallel. No, not by uh, any means. Something that I love about Pierce's book in general is she gives you all of these things that are tied in together, but ultimately the way you decide to tie them together is your individual experience. And no one else will have the exact same experience as you do through these books. As you read them at different parts of your life, you won't have the same experience twice. Unless you're me reading Briar's book and I don't stop crying at all in any of the chapters. And then I throw the book at the end and scream, never again, never again. <laughs> what both of you pulled out, those two things sort of combined, just this sort of idea of listening to other people and experiencing other worlds is really kind of what I got out of this book as a whole, because we see so many different people experiencing that. I mean, there's Daja and Polyam, obviously, but like Triss learning about trader culture, and she grows so much just continuously. I mean, we've already seen her grow a lot in Triss's book, but she continues to grow in Daja's book. Polyam interacting with Lark and Sandry, who already know a lot about trader culture, and Rosethorn telling Yaren, hey, <laughs> you uh, should do some controlled burns. And then, of course, that's an example of not listening to the people around who are not hearing other opinions. We have both sides. We see kind of the, the failure and the negative consequences of not listening to other voices, as well as the positive consequences of listening to other voices and allowing yourself to change and grow. I guess, in a sense, the entire book is a metaphor for growth and change because the, the forest burns and we have this continuous talk of you need to let things in the forest burn in order to let the forest grow and flourish. And in a sense, we have certain ideas or experiences that can hold us back if we don't allow ourselves to kind of toss them out and say, you know what, I shouldn't hold on to this. If we don't recognize that there are things that we need to get rid of, then we will not grow and flourish, if that makes any sense. No, it does. I think it does. Sometimes you have to let go of the things that are destructive, the things that are bad in order to give yourself room and freedom to take in new, better things into your life. Kind of going back to what Molly says is we have these different voices saying, hey, this is how it should be done. And there's opposing voices who are like, no, this is how it's always been done. So this is how we do it. We lack the ability to change when we don't look at the positives that could come from change. We wouldn't have non-segregated schools if we didn't accept change. We wouldn't have the LGBT community being capable of being themselves for them to get married, for trans people to go through hormone replacement or going under surgery to give them their true body. And it has been a hot topic, and I know, but I have... A very, very special friend to me who is trans, and it's one of those to watch her be able to 
step forward and move into the life she deserves to have, there is so much hate for change. You will have those opposing forces that will say, we will never change. And it's just changing and adapting is something that humans are incredibly good at. Just like as a species, we have changed so much from early hominoids. We, we went from hunter-gatherers to forming small cities to forming entire governments. Whether they are corrupt or not, that's not the point. We went and created something so vastly different from where we started. It has plenty of pros and cons. Like, I'm not one way or another right now. Society cannot accept change of things that they've done in the past. Then we are doomed to never move forward. And I feel like with these books, that is something that gets brought up a lot. Good one, Brittany. What about you guys? What was your biggest takeaway? Y'all have already basically said (laughs) my takeaway from it. Don't fuck with nature. She'll fuck you back being sensitive of other people's cultures. So basically what y'all already said. I guess mine was uh, how hard it could be to readjust to like finding a new home if you happen to like lose yours. That's valid. Not necessarily like a place, but the people at least. If you lose your family, whether through um, misfortune or, you know, you have to because you literally can't stand them, it can be hard to kind of find another place where you feel that you belong. But when you do find it, you you really, you just have to try to stick with it. The people that support you and that are around you, you have to support them back. I was trying to do some sort of thing where like it relates back to the planting a root. Which you probably did the first time we recorded. (laughs) I think so. I had a really eloquent thing, but frankly, I, I, I forgot it all. Just blame me. You're fine, Molly. What it sounds like to me is you're talking about found family is just as important. Yeah, I think that would probably be it. This is really kind of an indie thing. But yeah, (laughs) blood is thicker than... uh, (laughs) What's the line again, Indy? Could you remind me? The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. womb. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) How is it that that Red Tamara Pierce somehow knows that? (laughs) Because we need to complete the idioms, just like... uh, (laughs) Curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back. Oh my gosh, it's another in. Which book is that in? See, this is why we will be friends. Because (laughs) the Curiosity killed the cat one is in a Tara Pierce book, is it not? Yeah, Yeah, it's in Trickster's Choice. Okay, okay. Because it has been dry. Because for some reason, I was thinking it was Triss who said it. And I thought it was in Triss's book. And we got through Triss's book, and I was like, it wasn't there. <laughs> I didn't lose my mind, right? Oh, it was either Trickster's Choice or Trickster's Queen. It's said to Allie, I believe, by Fezgal because she's curious about something. And it's he. Trickster's Queen. Thank you. <laughs> I love Tamara Pierce Nerds. I guess another takeaway that I took from this is also be careful what you wish for. Because you just might get it. (laughs) Um, This whole book, Daja was constantly telling herself, I just want to be a traitor again. I would give all of this up in a heartbeat just to be a traitor again. And she gets that opportunity to give everything up to be a traitor again. And she decides not to take it. Sometimes you think that you want a certain thing and you find out, you know what? I actually don't want this thing. I think that was another one of my takeaways from this. Yeah. 
what Goodwin said about found family also got me thinking because found family is really important for queer people. Yes. <laughs> so many times our families are terrible and we need to forge new families with the people who genuinely love us. I have Fuck a lot of feelings preach. about it. Fucking preach. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So this next question, it always comes out really awkward, but I try to phrase it in a way that makes sense for the people who have read to various points of the series. What is something that you would be interested in learning more about, or for those who haven't read all the books, something that you might hope to see in the future? I maintain the same thing that I think I said when we recorded the first time, which is that I really want to see more of trader culture. I want to see more of them hanging out. I feel that even more strongly now that we've gotten to chapter 10 and I remembered that Pulliam says we're going to make Winding Circle a stop on our trading route. And I just want to see them hanging out <laughs> and getting to experience more of the caravan and interacting more freely with one another and seeing just more of that because I feel like it is described very lovingly, but we, because Dodge is an outsider, we don't get 
at this point, um, we don't get a intimate look at it and it seems great. The food seems awesome. I'm all about it. I want to oh, see yeah. more. I want more. <laughs> Side note, just a really quick tea nerd. There is a type of tea that several Tamara Pierce fans have been like, okay, so if we haven't done this yet, puer tea yes. is cradle tea. Oh my God. That makes sense. I was I'm not like up on my black teas as much, but that makes so much sense. The thing that I really want to learn one want more of from this book also, just everything about trader culture. Fans of the Tortal books know that Pierce recently released, relatively recently, released uh, a Tortal Spies Guide. Mm, I'm reading it right now, actually. I want the, like, uh, Emelon Trader's Guide. That'd be neat. That would be fun. I would love that. I would buy Plastic. a copy. And Please relinquish the damn rights because you're not doing anything with this book series. And if you did that, then she could publish this shit. Please and thank you. For me, the thing that I want to learn more about is the other kinds of ambient magic that exists in the world. I just think that there's so much potential for different creatives to express themselves through magic. And I'd love to see how she does that for writers, for painters, for other craftspeople. You brought it up and I never thought about it. I would love to see a scribe. I don't know if they predict the future as they write. Or if they actually have the ability to transport you into this world, which I think would be cool. Very um, Yeah. Things that writers genuinely always wish that they could do and what I, they strive to do. I Because I know as a writer myself, I, as a writer myself, I, I want to be like, okay, let's pretend for a little bit. Come with me. <laughs> Just come with me. Yep. I will take you on a magical journey and we will have a great time. Oh, the fanfic At least potential. I have a great time. Yeah. I, I also want to be one of those, like if ever uh, I do put out a novel that gets big, I would be that person browsing the fanfic sites, reading all of the the fanfics related to the story. And, like, commenting on, like, another name. Just being like, oh, my God, I love it. You totally, like, represented the character or, you know, something positive about it. But nobody knows it's me. <laughs> Same. Good one, Brittany. What, what do you guys want to know more about? I think Anna kind of took mine. I want to know more about trader culture. I want to know more about the food. I want to know more about their gods. And like what superstitions are like based on like, you know, the colors protecting them, you know, from stuff, all of it. It just sounds really interesting. Of course, our gorse would comment on food first. <laughs> of course. He also had all these awesome things. And the only thing that came to my mind was at the end of Dodge's book, Rose Thorn, like basically bitch slaps Briar. <laughs> and we've started Briar's book, but it's they still haven't on the pages talked about her doing that. I feel like that needs to be addressed and it has not happened yet. And they're in close confinement together. And he's just still like, oh, it's fine. 
like, no, you were very hurt by this. Your mom hurt you. And you're just like, ah, it's fine. No, it, it needs to be addressed. And I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. And if it did happen, it was off screen. And I want to see it happen. That's a really it was good pretty, point. It was pretty messed yeah. up. I mean. It was. I want to see Rose Thorne do the good parental trait of, I was sorry. I love you. Yes, that's what I want to see. The, the the other thing that I'd like to see is since Dodger is a traitor again, like obviously she wants to stay with her new family and, and all, but I still imagine that like many moons from now as an adult, maybe after this whole series is over, uh, does she occasionally go, hey, you know what? I want to travel around and like just travel with the traitor caravan sometimes. I want to see that. I want to see future Daja Trader adventures, preferably with some or all of her siblings in tow. Because (laughs) shenanigans. It's kind of like how I want to see Neil's squire years with Alana. It doesn't need a plot line. I just want to see it. I want to see character interaction. I think it would be really cool that Caravan came back and she's like, you know, I don't want to join you all the time. I don't want to be a permanent fixture here, but I want to spend like six months with you guys. I think it would also be cool to have like a prequel, like before the kids are even around and just all the dedicate people, Rose Thorn, Gorse, Lark, all of them. Crane, I want it. All of them hanging out, how they first got there, them hanging out. Cause I know something happened between Rose Thorn and Crane. Cause they seem like they would have been good friends starting off and then something just like broke them up like what happened i want to know i feel like i read a fan fiction about that and somehow it got lodged in my brain as canon and now i just assume that it happened it's not not canon (laughs) so slight spoilers there is a conversation that rose thorn has talking about crane and rose thorn's early relationship just so you know Maybe that's what I'm I don't think we've gotten there. Yeah, we haven't gotten there as far as in the book. Uh, spoiler. So I think that's like a surprise, but now you've ruined it, Indy. Gosh. Well, you don't know how it happened. You but would now hate I know it. But I think it's like he's you would hate it anyway. I was there. My next question is, for those of us who have already read this book, how was reading this book different this time than reading it before? For me, I'm always shocked by how little time passes in these books. Because I'm used to reading Tortal, where like a 13 chapter book in the early days will cover like four years. And then I'll go back and I'll read Circle and it's like, ah, yes, the three days that they were in Goldridge got it. <laughs> yeah. So that to me is a big difference. And I also think that partially due to being older and partially due to our discussions, we talk a lot more about their teaching styles and we focus a lot more on what the teachers are doing Yeah. Um, and whether it's effective and good or the best thing they could have done. And I think that I might have appreciated that when I was younger, but I don't think it's something I actively considered. That is also something that is new for me while doing this particular reread, but also 
for this particular book, as I mentioned before, that queer outcast parallel is a lot more prominent for me this time around, especially since I have lately been questioning my gender identity and been identifying more as non-binary, but I haven't really explored all of my feelings about that yet. So starting to have that questioning feeling while reading this book really drove the parallel home for me and gave me a lot more feelings than I'm used to. (laughs) For me, a lot of it was in the emotional effect as well. I remember as a kid, I wasn't super into Daja. Like she was, she was my least favorite character. And we have talked a long time ago, back in Sandry's book, about character alignments and decided that Sandry, Briar, and Triss all fall into the chaotic category, <laughs> uh, whereas Daja is chaotic magnetic. She is not chaotic herself. She just attracts it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds I, right. I think that may be why I was least interested in her. Either I related to the chaos or I just found it more interesting for other reasons. But now we have been reading so in depth, the emotional impact of what she goes through just really hit. In addition, the beauty of her writing. I, I feel like going through these first three books, Pierce really starts to hit a stride in Daja's book. I mean, I love Sandry's book and Triss's book, but there's just like four chapters in a row that just have amazing, beautiful, poetic passages. The part where Sandry is reweaving her friends is one of the most beautiful scenes I have ever read in a book. I agree. That's my favorite that we've come across so far. It's so good. I tried to do it for MJ on the fly and it was very bad and wrong. (laughs) I was like, I'll, de- I'll describe you. No, no, I won't. <laughs> so I think, I think this book just, it, it was weightier for me this go around. I know it made us cry several times <laughs> while reading it. Mm. I think, I think starting with chapter two. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a section in our, our Dodgers book chapter two episode where we all just break down and mutually cry. It was great. It was, it was a fun time. <laughs> Started these books to have fun, and here we are having emotions. Yay. Go ahead, is it, Tamara Pierce? It, about these books is they lead you in, and it kind of just feels like fun at first. Like, there's some heavy moments in the beginning. And then you get to Triss's book, and you go, oh, this is a little heavier. And then you go to Dodge's book, and you're like, oh, this is kind of painful. And then having read Briar's book, and we are halfway through Briar's book right now, it's just owl pain every chapter. Yeah, it started off like it didn't waste any time. It's like, punch right in the face. That's what I've reread the least for that reason. I get like halfway through it and I just go, I can't. And I just know something terrible is going to happen because Briar's putting way too much trust into Rose. So he's like, Rosethorn's here. She's going to take care of it all. It's going to be great. Like, no. No, it's not. People are going to die. See, it, yeah, it, I'm not ready. <laughs> this is uh, a book I've reread multiple times. I found it in a really rough time for me emotionally. My Pusa passed away. This woman was like the light of my life. 
taught me so much shit I probably shouldn't know. (laughs) She was definitely one of those people that I loved dearly. And about the time I found this book was six months after she died. It's like reading it for the first time every time. I still get fucked up at the same parts. (laughs) It's heavy. It's rough. My favorite part of our recap episodes is where I give Brittany and Goodwin three words to describe the book that we're about to read, and they predict what will happen in this book. Unfortunately, we did this the last time we recorded this episode, and (laughs) I lost the audio. Since then, we have actually started Briar's book, so they actually are already kind of in it. But the words that I gave them were quarantine, sewer, and diet, which I did not realize formed an actual phrase until Goodwin said something along the lines of, oh no, quarantine sewer diet. That sounds like... (laughs) Literally the worst thing imaginable. Yes. (laughs) I don't want any of those three words anywhere near me. No. (laughs) Which made us ask, well, what is a quarantine sewer diet? And I think I figured it out. I think a quarantine sewer diet is the really crappy food that you eat when you're in quarantine and you are too lazy to cook because you're too lazy to do anything because you're in quarantine. For me, that is usually like frozen pizza and frozen pot stickers. What are y'all's quarantine sewer diets? Frozen waffles, frozen pizza rolls. Sometimes I make John go out and get me McDonald's. I am trash. Oh, valid. I've been just eating, eating a lot of grilling cheeses that you can like nuke for 30 minutes or 30 seconds in the microwave. So they get a little gooey. And like originally it was Carr's bread cheese from Wisconsin, which is delicious. But then apparently I was the only one buying it at my grocery store because no one else in my neighborhood cares and is from Wisconsin. So they stopped stocking it. So then it's been like halloumi and like Mexican grilling cheese. Just like nuke it in the microwave and it's gooey and cheesy and delicious. And I'm just sitting there eating straight up blocks of cheese. It's fine. Ooh, cheese. I love cheese. Have you tried um, frying it? I mean, Sorry. yes, but so that good. requires effort. <laughs> That's true. This is my other quarantine sewer diet. Yes. <laughs> I guess that my my diet might be the most healthy of all of us. A metric fuck ton of caffeine, because always with the caffeine. Frozen checker fries <laughs> with chili and cheese, instant ramen, but not just instant ramen, instant ramen that I like spruce up with eggs and mushrooms. And mm. that sounds like way too much effort. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to show yeah, off. That, that's Jeez. right. That's like, like, like as much work as putting on pants. Yeah. Wait, okay. So, what you do to make good ramen. Uh, take your ramen put it in the microwave and then take it out and then just eat it (laughs) (laughs) perfect you put it in a pot you mix your your you don't have to do dishes ah no Uh -uh. oh I eat it straight out of the pot like I don't then you have to clean that pot yeah no 
That's too much. Yeah, you don't have to clean the clean the pot. You just make your next batch of ramen in the same, <laughs> in the same pot. pot. <laughs> that's you fair. rinse it out, put it back on the stove, and that's when you make your next one. Um, okay. But then you like <laughs> you get a whole egg and just drop that motherfucker in there, mm-hmm. and like a couple of like pieces of mushroom because we always have mushrooms at the house. Bam! Add some more soy sauce. <laughs> Okay, that's not too bad. I will say if we're talking about stuff we make, I do eat like a lot of omelets and eggs and I just like load it up with kimchi and like sesame seeds yeah. and sesame oil. That's that's really what I eat a ton of if we're talking about things that I take a little bit of time to prepare. I have not had to quarantine at all. I've had to stay at work the whole time. But regardless, I don't really cook a whole lot. It's my husband that cooks, so... <laughs> like get in there make me some tacos (laughs) i was officially the laziest cooker the other day i emptied out an entire bag of frozen pecker fries on a pan let it cook for like 20 minutes pulled it out smothered it with nasty hot dog chili cheese or chili and emptied an entire bag of cheese on it and said Eh, close enough and put it back in the oven for like <laughs> 10 minutes. So Goodwin and Brittany, do you want to make any predictions about what you think will happen before Briar's book is over? I'm going to cry. Yeah, there's going to be lots of feelings. I love that this is totally different from the first time because the first time it was something about, well, they're going to get sick and then they're going to get coughed out. So they're going to have to go live in the sewer. <laughs> and then there's going to be nothing to eat except rats. That too. That's the quarantine. <laughs> that's the quarantine, that's sewer, the quarantine diet. sewer diet. The fresh and rats you catch. And now we're a couple chapters in, and they're just like, "There's going to be so many feelings. <laughs> feelings, nothing more than feelings, right?" I came to have fun, not fill fills. We you put me into this. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't ask for this. Why That's all I'm gonna say. I didn't I didn't ask for this. Why am I here? You got it. Just to suffer. It wasn't what you wanted, but it's what you got. Uh, I didn't know you hated me so much to make me feel fills. See, the truth <laughs> is, I started watching Criminal Minds and I was like, I want to torture people, but I don't want to actually torture them. So I'm gonna get them to read Tamara Pearson instead. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs> MJ, Anna, do you have like any further questions or things for us? I do have a question. Okay. Uh, what kind of magic do you folks think that you would have? If writing magic is allowed, that is what it would be. Okay. Because I have been telling stories since literally as long as I can remember. I used to make up and act out the stories in my backyard, complete with the trailers for the movies. <laughs> and I think my I think the magical ability that would go along with that would be that I would basically be able to make like real-time movies people would not even transport them to another place but create really amazing illusions or like a virtual reality type space without the yeah. VR goggles that'd yes. be cool I've thought a lot about that it. would be cool we kind of already know what my magic is 
being aggressive. I have a knack being aggressive. <laughs> That that is true. That is one of my master uh, personality traits. That's the word. <laughs> but the food that I make, I make with love and spite. Typically, the spite makes it better. I probably would wind up being more like Gorse. Just I want to create food that. Oh, you're having a bad day. Eat this specific cookie. It'll make your day so much better. Or, oh, you're running late for work. Oh, you're nervous. You've got a big promotion coming up. Here, let's get you a scone. This will bring you luck or whatever. Like, I want to be that kind of person because I loved, I don't do it as often as I should. I feel like my cooking is a type of magic. And my plants. Like, I can give plants that I've had for years to people and they survive and if they can't survive they bring them back to me and they're like fix it and i have <laughs> it for two days and it's fine i would be a green witch yeah um i guess my magic would be I- i'm not sure if this would be a magic or how it would I-, I don't know uh i'm told that i'm a good cheerleader so <laughs> i'm not sure what magic that would actually be i guess um you can inspire the masses actually just sounds like you're a bard (laughs) i guess so um actually Brittany, in my magical universe which you are reading a story of a character with this ability has not come up in that book but this ability exists in my magical universe there are people who can basically just like strengthen other people's magical abilities that's me (laughs) make her make a character for Brittany that does that, please. <laughs> I'm putting in a formal petition. I will tuckerize Brittany <laughs> into, into natural magic since she's my first beta reader. <laughs> what about you, Goodwin? That's a tough one. I like metalworking. I mean, uh, just sticking with, uh, w- with, I guess, Daja there, something with fire. Something fire metalworking related. So, yeah, Smith Magic. That's pretty much it. I love it. I've done a little tiny bit of smithing in the past. Super fun. I like the fire. I like smacking things with a hammer. You know, what, <laughs> what, 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 what else is there? You know, that's great. I think you can also be a gorse because you, you're a very good cook. Yeah. I, I feel like those could like work together. Yeah. Like I could just make a fire yeah. wherever and then I could just like cook on it. And cook on it or your magic is more closely related to fire than metal i think so i just like fire and it's not that i'm a pyromaniac or anything because i'm not i promise yeah i totally believe that to the fbi agent listening to us right now (laughs) to your personal fbi agent i'm already on a list (laughs) um but uh yeah i I like fire because it can like create and destroy it's it's cool i like it yeah i guess something fire related would be. I feel like your magic is specifically connected to the transformative nature of fire. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Deep. Because That's... Then, <laughs> you are you are the friend of fire and use it to you build you build do stuff. Cook things and so forth. You put that so eloquently. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job as the writing mage. <laughs> Pretty words. I like fire. so 
So we usually like to end our recap episodes with an excerpt from the next book we're reading. Indy, did you find the passage? Yes, I did. Now, excuse my dyslexia and slight stutter. Briar Moss knew he was only dreaming, but he didn't care. He sat in a giant oak tree, the heart of the great forest. A leather bag brimming with emeralds filled his lap, and the oak whispered the secrets of the trees into his ears. He was running the gems through his fingers, admiring their color and size when they evaporated. The tree vanished. Now, two large, unkind-looking men in black leather hustled him down a wet, dark corridor. They shoved him into an open cell and slammed the thick door behind him. It boomed so loudly that it set up a string of echoes, each as loud as the first. He opened his eyes. He was in the back of a wagon, tucked among an assortment of parcels and covered against the day's cold drizzle by an oiled canvas sheet. Something boomed repeatedly, like the cell door in his dream. He thrust up the canvas to glare at the writer who kicked the wagon with such determination. Leave off, Sandry, he growled. I was having the best dream of my life ever, or best dream ever, and you woke me up. Lady Sandrine Fatorin, a girl of Briar's age, shrugged. The movement sent droplets rolling from her waterproof cloak and broad rim hat. Sorry. There was no trace of sorrow in her bright blue eyes. What's so important it couldn't wait then? Briar demanded. There was no use scolding her. Hard words rolled off Sandry the way rain poured off her coat. I've been thinking, she said firmly. Tris has a birthday. Daja has a birthday. She had named the other girls who lived with her in Briar. I have one. That leaves you. You woke me up to talk about birthdays, he yelped. You said you don't remember yours. I don't. So pick one, Sandry ordered him. It's not, it's not right not having a birthday. I don't need one. What I need is sleep. Summer's coming, and that means weeding. I got to rest while I, whilst I can, and you ain't helping. She sighed sharply. Her pony looked at Briar with reproach in, in his eye, as though it were Briar's fault that Sandry bounced impatiently in the saddle. Tell me you'll think about it, or I'll keep bothering you, the girl insisted. She would, too. Sandry's determination awed Briar, though he would rather die than tell her that. I'll think about it, he said wearily. Can I sleep now? Yay! Yay. He's so cute. He is cute. Anna, MJ, would you like to plug your stuff? Tell us where we can find you. After you, Anna. Uh, you can find the show uh, on Twitter at COF pod, and you can get in touch with us by email at circle of friendship podcast at gmail.com. And then we're also on certain point of view, certain POV.com. Yes. Yes. Certain yes, POV.com. I would have corrected you. You're fine. I, am, I had a moment of like, I couldn't remember if it was the full <laughs> <laughs> you can also find the show on our network site, certainpov.com, along with lots of other great shows, including MJ's. And then I am at Anna Lionhearted across all platforms. 
So if you want more of me, you can check me out on Reignite, a podcast about Mass Effect, where we do much the same as the uh, Circle of Friendship podcast, just for a video game that's been around for 10 years. I am also on the Rob Thomas, no, not that one, Robcast, where we take a deep dive into the, into the creative works of Rob Thomas. And I know what you're thinking. It's not that one. <laughs> 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 My Christmas movie podcast is wrapping up. That's called Certain Point of View. If you have a special place in your heart for Christmas movies, check it out. We talk about the new movies that came out this year. So you don't have to watch them if you don't want to. You can listen to us watch them. <laughs> uh, and if you just want to see what I'm up to on Twitter, you can find me at iHordLibraries on Twitter. I love that name. <laughs> also, rip in peace, Morden. Aw, Morden. Aw. That's our show. Yay. 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 Because we already took our break and had our tangential episode, we will be coming back next week with the beginning of Briar's book. (laughs) We'll also be announcing our giveaway winner. Yes. Yay. Yay. Even the cat meowed. Hooray. (laughs) (laughs) Reading Circle Temple is produced by us, Molly, Brittany, Indy, and Goodwin. If you like listening, tell your friends about us. If you don't like listening, tell your enemies. Please tell us what you think of the Circle of Magic by emailing us at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com or join our Reading Circle Temple Facebook group. You can find more of Reading Circle Temple at readingcircletemple.com or find Reading Circle Temple on Tumblr. And thanks to Yellow is for Happy for our artwork. You can find more of their artwork on Tumblr at Yellow is for Happy Draws or on Instagram at Shannon and Draws. Also, thanks to Britain's brother, Thomas Dick, for our theme music. You can find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud. Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic. And thanks to you for listening. Let's all have coffee next week. Well, hello. Hi. Welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I am not Goodwin. I'm yeah, that's me. not Goodwin. I don't know what's real and what's fake anymore. <laughs> I am Sandra Lee Fatorin and I have opinion. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.